What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune in. Got an absolutely loaded podcast. It's more basketball, I promise. The football stuff is coming once the NBA draft is over today. We're breaking down a bunch of different trade scenarios for guys like Damian Lillard, Zion Williamson. We're going to talk a little bit of Bradley Beal as well, and then we're going to get into the NBA draft, some of the prospects that I like, and kind of the ceilings and the expectations for them. So like I said, it's an absolutely loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Beal. I'm not going to spend too, too much time on this just because, you know, this happened over the weekend. You probably heard a whole bunch of people talk about it already, and I'm not going to say anything that you haven't already heard. But very quickly, this Bradley Bradley Beal move doesn't move the needle. It doesn't, well, it does move the needle for the Suns a little bit. I think that it's really hard to not say that they're the second best team in the Western Conference right now. Maybe I'm overlooking somebody, but look, it's Denver, and then it's them. But it doesn't move the needle past Denver, which is where they need to be. Currently, the Suns have five guys on their roster under contract for this next season. And that's their starting five. It's Campaign, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. And then now they're going to have to go sign seven guys to minimums, which means the players won't be very good, and they've got to fill out the rest of their roster with these really cheap guys. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. All these teams that win championships, they have good role players littered throughout their roster. Look at Denver this last year, right? They won the NBA Finals because they had good role players in addition to Jokic and Jamal Murray. Look at Miami. They got to an NBA Finals because they had great role players all over their roster. They beat Boston and Milwaukee because they had really good role players who consistently showed up. You have to have good role players in order to win the NBA Finals. And the Suns will not have that unless they move DeAndre Ayton. There's momentum increasing for this to happen every time I get on Twitter. There is nothing but DeAndre Ayton on the move. DeAndre Ayton on the move. There is major talk, reportedly, we'll see if it happens or not, that Dallas wants him and they wouldn't have to give up the 10th pick in order to get him. Nothing's concrete on that. These are just different things that I've heard. We'll have to wait and see whether or not these things actually happen. But Bradley Beal isn't the only domino to fall so far. We've got a couple dominoes that are going to tip over probably by the end of Thursday night. Damian Lillard. I'm going to cut straight to the chase. If Damian Lillard does not go to Miami, he is wasting his time. Okay, He's not winning a championship in Brooklyn with Macau Bridges. Okay, Brooklyn is just Portland in a bigger market. Okay, And it doesn't look like Portland is currently going to be able to package Anthony Simons and the third overall pick for a player who creates a big enough impact in order for Damian Lillard to want to stay and feel like they can win a title. They just aren't and there's no disgruntled superstar right now who Portland can go out and get. Well, there is one superstar who could be on the move. He's probably going to be on the move. And that's Zion Williamson. Now, Zion Williamson 
you know, he's got all the baby mama drama, all the stuff with, you know, the porn star and, you know, it's it's an absolute mess. Absolute mess right now for Zion Williamson. And it's going to continue to be that way because of the lack of maturity that he has showed throughout his entire career. Won't stay in shape. Let's just start with that. Won't play in games when he is in shape. He could have played in the playoffs this last year and said he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't want to play, so he didn't. That's absurd. Okay, this guy is like 23, 24 years old, and he's willingly opting out of games. That's like if that's an, out of playoff games. He's opting out of playoff games. Unacceptable. That's the only word for it. And I think that it is absolutely vital for Zion Williamson, specifically for him, not for the Pelicans, not for anybody else, but specifically for Zion Williamson, it is imperative that he goes to a winner in order to mature. That is what has to happen. If he ends up in Charlotte, which there's a lot of momentum for him to end up in Charlotte and for him to play alongside LaMelo, if that happens, we are going to see the same problems continue to exist. Okay, the same storyline is going to surround Zion. Look at all that talent. Look at the former number number one overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the guy who was selected over John Morant, who's a star in the league. Look at that guy. Continue to waste his career. Okay, because places like New Orleans and Charlotte have the same thing in common. They are smaller markets with teams that just aren't ready to win. In order for Zion to mature, he needs to go to Milwaukee. He needs to go to Golden State. He needs to go play with LeBron and AD for the Lakers. He needs to go play in Miami with the culture down there with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and guys who are going to hold him accountable. And not only hold him accountable, but, you know, make him play in games. Because, look, if you play for Coach Spo, you're going to play in games. Simple as that. If you're healthy, you're playing. Okay, could you imagine walking into camp and you have to look at Jimmy Butler and be like, yeah, man, I'm not in shape. I'm just going to play my way into shape. That that doesn't fly down there. It's the same thing in Milwaukee. Imagine having to look at Giannis and be like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll play my way into shape. Really? Because you haven't done it once in your entire career because you can't stay healthy because you aren't in shape to begin with. Can you imagine walking into camp in San Francisco looking at Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and having to be like, yeah, I'll play my way into shape. No, you won't. You just won't play. Okay, we've seen Steve Kerr not play young guys before. Obviously, Zion Williamson, a little bit different. He, he would see the floor. But still, when you go to organizations like that, the expectations are higher, and so players actually show up and do what they're supposed to. In places like New Orleans and Charlotte, where there's zero history of winning, it is much harder to get guys to buy in and actually do what they're supposed to in terms of staying in shape and staying out of trouble off the floor. Now, there's one more guy who we're still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with him, and that's Draymond Green. Some people are convinced that, you know, he's going to leave. I'm not too too sure what he's going to do. He may re-opt. He may opt to go back to San, to San Francisco and play with Golden State. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Okay, so, you know, he opted out of the one-year $27 million deal. You know, what he may do is, you know, opt into a three- or four-year $20 million a year thing just so that he's guaranteed to make a little extra money as time goes on, as his legs give away and his athleticism goes away, and he just isn't the defender 
that he once was. Now, he's not to that point yet, but that day's coming for him. He's 34. Like, you know, when he's 38, he's not going to be the same guy. I'm sure he'd love to make another $20 million when he's 38 years old. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he wants to prove that he doesn't need Steph Curry to be great. Maybe he wants to go to Dallas and play with Luka and show that it doesn't matter what superstar he's paired with. He can still bring multiple things that teams need in order to win championships. Maybe he wants to go to L.A. and play with LeBron. Who knows? But I ultimately think that he's going to end up back in Golden State because it seems like he really genuinely loves playing with Steph and Clay, and I just don't think those guys want to be broken up quite yet. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the NBA draft. I've got tiers upon tiers of players. Not really, just just three tiers. Breaking down all these potential higher, like high to mid first round draft pick guys. So it's going to be good. Stick around for it. I think you'll enjoy it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. So the NBA draft is set to start up on Thursday night. Spurs have the number one overall pick. And so what I've done, I don't have like a mock draft thing that I really want to run through. Instead, I'm doing something a little bit different than what I've done in the past. I've broken up top, I think, 18 to 20 guys, the top 18 to 20 players in this year's draft, and I've placed them into tiers of expectations. Okay, so let's start off with the number one overall pick, Victor Wimbanyama, Wimbanyama, however you say it. The big Frenchman. He is the only guy in this top in this top tier that is going to be a superstar. Okay, go ahead, write it down. The Spurs are going to do everything that they can to make sure that he that he succeeds. Now, here's the thing: he could succeed, be a superstar, and still not meet the level the level of expectations that we have for him. Okay, but look, he's seven foot five. He's highly skilled with the ball in his hands. He has great defensive instincts that allow him to, to defend the rim at a high level. Okay, the only way, the only way, he's not going to be a productive two way player for a long time is if he battles injuries, which is very possible with that frame. I will continue to say it as long as guys like this keep showing up. We have never, never in the history of the NBA. Seeing a guy with this kind of build, these tall, long, skinny, lanky guys, we have never seen any of them have a long career where they aren't consistently hurt. Chris Porzingis is consistently hurt. Chet Holmgren hasn't even played a game yet because he already got hurt and he's out for the entire year. Okay, it, it doesn't bode Yao Ming, okay, it doesn't bode well for these guys to have bodies like this. But you know, there's reports that he's been doing different things to help his feet and his legs because that's where all the injuries happen at, right? There's reports of how, you know, like that's what they're doing and they're doing all these different exercises and that's supposed to help him. We'll see if it does or not. I'm excited to see him in the league next year. Uh, he's going to bring a lot more eyes, I think, especially early on in the year as when he's in San Antonio. So he's the only guy that I think is a lock to be a superstar. Moving down next tier, potential superstars. Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. Let's start with Scoot. He's hyper-athletic. Okay, he's only 6'2", which is a concern. But his athleticism allows him to play bigger than what he is. Okay, in all the interviews and everything that you've heard him say, he comes off of his, comes off as an extremely hard worker. Quote-unquote, he got that dog in him. All that kind of stuff. Okay, and so because he has that dog in him, because we know that he's going to work hard, there's a lot of faith that the jump shot is going to develop 
over time. And people are really excited about him. I am not people. I am not a believer in Scoot Henderson. I, I get the hype, okay? I get the athleticism, okay? I, I understand all that. But here's just the truth. Here's the thing that we continue to ignore with these smaller guards. There are multiple teams who have reportedly want to move up into that second overall slot to select Scoot Henderson. But I just I don't know why. Smaller players who cannot shoot are not a winning recipe. There's a reason why Russell Westbrook never won. Now, look, I'm not calling Scoot Henderson Russell Westbrook, but I think it's a fair comp given the, you know, like the sit, hovering around 6'2", the lack of shooting ability, the crazy athleticism that they both have. Hard workers, guys who, are, who will get up in you defensively, all those different kinds of things. But small guards who can't shoot don't win. Okay? In a league that is becoming bigger and taller and longer every single year, being 6'2", my, dare I say that that's too short? Dare I say it? Because if you're six two, consistently having to guard guys that are standing at six six, like I don't, I don't care how like how big the dog is inside of you. If you're that undersized, you will not be able to defend in the playoffs. Okay, year in year out, we see these smaller guys get picked on in the playoffs. Scoot Henderson, smaller guy, he's going to get picked on. And then you pair that with the fact that he can't shoot the basketball consistently, only shot 28% for the G League Ignite this last year from three. Like, you can't have that. Guys like that can't stay on the floor. So that is the concern for me with Scoot Henderson, the lack of size in a league that is constantly getting bigger and the lack of shooting ability. I get there's a lot of guys in this draft who can't shoot. Even if he can develop that, the lack of size is still a concern. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everybody else is right. Maybe he winds up being a superstar. Now, the guy who I would take with the number two overall pick, the guy who looks like he's going to be, at a minimum, a number two option on an NBA team, is the 6'9 wing, Brandon Miller. Not only is Brandon Miller a 6'9 wing, but he can also dribble, he can create shots off the bounce, he can pass, and he shot 40% from three at Alabama last year. People are overthinking this. Okay, people are talking about the gun stuff. But here's here's the issue with the gun stuff. People have talked about John Morant and they talk about the punishment and the things like that. You know, there's two ends of the spectrum. And there's some people who are like, suspend him for a year. You know, they're they're yelling it to the rooftops, how much they love punishment. And then there's other guys like JJ Reddick who are like, he he didn't break the law. Like, why are we suspending him? Okay. And then everybody talks about this gun stuff with Brandon Miller like it's a major concern on both ends. Okay, so if you're one of these people talking about John Morant not breaking the law, therefore he should not be suspended, then you shouldn't have a problem with drafting Brandon Miller at number two, especially given the skill set and the size. People are overthinking this. Brandon Miller has both the size and the skill set that every single team in the NBA wants. He's a wing who can dribble, pass, and shoot. What else is there to talk about? He's athletic. He can finish around the rim. Like, this is is what people want. Why is he going to go third overall? Can someone explain that to me? It doesn't make any sense. Brandon Miller should, should be the number two overall pick. 
Um, you know, every single year, you know, the top three guys get drafted. One of them always ends up not meeting expectations. And I'm telling you right now, it will be Scoot Henderson. We're going to come out of this draft, we're going to hype him up, and we're going to talk about all the athleticism and how hard he works. We're going to talk about all that stuff just for the same thing to continue to be true. Bigger athletes who can shoot, dribble, and pass are really good in the NBA and often end up being multiple-time All-Stars. That's who Brandon Miller is. Moving on. Potential All-Stars. Guys who have to see some development in their game in order to really stick around for a long time. The Thompson Twins, Jairus Walker, Anthony Black, Cam Whitmore, Bryce Sensabaugh, and Nick Smith Jr. Now, for all these guys, except for two, for all these guys, all these players, except for Sensabaugh and Nick Smith Jr., the question is going to be based around the development of their jump shot. If the jump shots develop for a lot of these guys, they're going to be in the league for a long time. They're probably going to make a few all-star teams, okay? Especially the Thompson Twins. Look, I'm not a fan of them just because we haven't seen them play against people, you know, that are their age. You know, we've been watching them play against these, like, 16-year-old kids, and they've dominated, as they should, but they can't shoot the basketball. They can't. But they defend well. They're really athletic. They're willing passers. Like, those are really good signs. But haven't seen them play against guys who are just as good of athletes as they are. Because that's what happens when you get when you get to the NBA. You go from being the most athletic person on the floor to being just like everybody else, and then you really figure out who can play. So I'm not the biggest believer in either one of the Thompson twins. Jairus Walker, I really like him, has a lot of skills as a bigger wing, 6'8", can guard the one through the five due to just his build and the lateral quickness that he possesses. Uh, has some skills with the ball in his hands, has to develop the jump shot, though. If he, if he develops the jump shot... He's going to be great. Anthony Black, great feel for the game. 6'7", point guard, tall. Uh, wingspan's only 6'7", but, you know, that's still a decent amount of length. Should be a really good defender. Feels the game very well. Excellent passer. Finishes around the rim through contact. Really strong player, but only shot 27% from three at Arkansas last year. The jump shot has to improve. If it improves, he's going to play in the league for a really, really long time. Cam Whitmore. Another guy who can score one-on-one with just about anybody. Imagine Jalen Brunson, but he's six foot seven. That is who Cam Whitmore is. He's got to develop the jump shot, has to move the ball a little bit better than what he currently does. But that's another guy who could really blossom if he figures out the jump shot. And then you've got Sensiball and Smith Jr., who I think are both really similar in terms of just this idea that if he is able to... Sorry, I got a text message that I had to look at. Um, for both of these guys, it is their success and how much success they have is going to be dependent upon their roles in basketball. Like, what is their job on their team? Okay, like they could both very easily be sixth men who come in off the bench, play you know twenty to twenty four minutes a night, and then that's kind of it. Or they could be starters who take twenty shots a night. And if they end up being starters who are, you know, shooting between, you know, 17 and 21 times a night, then there's a decent chance that these guys could be all-stars because they can both shoot the basketball. They're both very slippery and just the way that they move. I think that's the best way to kind of put it. Um, so I really like both of their games. I think they both have decent chances of being all-stars depending upon their roles on whoever drafts them. 
And then finally, we've got our great role players, and that's what I think this draft is full of. That's what most drafts have. They have role players in them. Okay, There's only a finite number of guys who actually have chances at being all-stars and superstars. So, I'm going to try and make this as quick as possible. In this tier, I have Grady Dick, Taylor Hendricks, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Jalen Hood-Shafino, Kobe Bufkin. Jeez, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Bilal Kubali, that's the guy from France, Derek Lively, and Noah Clowney. Very quickly, Hendricks and Clowney, both very similar. They'll both be presences on defense, and they're going to score the basketball when they're set up by the lead ball handlers on their teams, You know whether that's by popping out and knocking down threes or by rolling to the rim and finishing over defenders. Both guys athletic. Both guys should be good on the, on the defensive end. The question will be, do they develop as ball handlers at all? Especially Hendricks. I'm less concerned about Clowney. Just because he's a center, he's not going to handle the ball that much. But Hendricks, being a 6'8 forward, if he can learn how to handle the basketball, he could really emerge as a great player. Derek Lively, the best rim-running threat in this class. A guy who's going to be a rim-runner in the NBA for a long time, going to block shots on defense. That's that's who he's going to be. Moving on, Grady Dick, going to be a spot-up shooter for a long time. Now, he has... Some creation ability. He can definitely handle the basketball. I just don't think that that skill is developed enough for him to be a legit all-star. Okay, maybe he ends up, you know, in a place like Golden State, right? And he kind of ends up in this Clay Thompson-type role where he just knocks down a whole bunch of threes and is set up by Steph Curry. Then maybe he becomes an all-star that way, but I I just I think he's more of really great role player, and he's obviously going to have to, you know, evolve on the defensive side of the ball as well. Next, we've got uh, George Wallace, Huchifino, and Bufkin. All four of them, they can all score, but they're really reliant on mid-range jump shots and getting to the rim. They're going to have to expand their range. Really, these four guys feel like good, solid starting point guards. Like, if this is your starting point guard, you're not like, oh, man, we really need an upgrade of point guard. But you're also not like, hey, we have a legit star running our offense. Okay, maybe these guys come off the bench. Bufkin and George could both be spark plugs who kind of come off the bench and score a lot of points. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how all four of those guys are used. And then finally, we've got Koulibaly, guy from France, plays with Wimby over there for Metropolitan 92. He's a defensive specialist. That's who he's going to be. Okay, only shot like 34% from three in France this last year. He has to develop that three-point shot. If he does... He's going to be a 3 and D guy in the NBA for a long, long time. That is going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. There's everything you need to know about Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, and Zion, and Draymond Green. There's everything you need to know about the top guys in this draft class, NBA draft, Thursday night. Can't wait for it. Going to have another podcast out on Friday, recapping everything that happened on Thursday. Cannot wait for it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you're looking forward to the next one. Thank you so much again for listening, and I'll talk to you all again on Friday. 